What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on the mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. And in the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listener and thought leaders, to explore what needs to get done. I'm beyond proud of having Eric Schoenberg as a guest today. Eric has been the CEO of Mansueta Ventures, the owner of Inc. and Fast Company Media Properties since 2018. Inc. being the oldest publication devoted entirely to help entrepreneurs succeed, which was founded in 1979. Before joining Inc., Eric was the founding editor of CBS Money Watch and the editor-in-chief of Bnet.com. Decides to gather one more than a dozen awards for design and journalism during this uh, tenure. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sebastian. So nice to be here. From your perspective, what's the state of media and journalism today? All right. Speaking of journalism and media in the U.S., it is a disrupted industry, very much in the middle of finding its way to the next business model. Um, we for a long time had a monopoly on the distribution of news because we owned the printing presses or the, the airwaves. Uh, now that's no longer true and everyone with uh, an internet connection can be a publisher. The platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, have offered advertising products to brands that are <clears throat> competitive with ours so that the advertising model that used to support our journalism is no longer guaranteed and is uh, you know, highly, highly challenged by those competitors. And we're also very much affected by what is going on in society. So we are divided in the kinds of news we report in a way that has never happened before in my life. We have audiences that listen only to the right wing. We have audiences that listen only to the mainstream and the left wing, and the two never meet. Um, and as our electorate gets more polarized, so do our newsrooms and our business models. And you strongly focusing on the uh, on the ink on the entrepreneurship. Do you see the same division in entrepreneurship, or is that kind of neutral? We are able to stand aside from it, and there are interesting ways in which entrepreneurs cross over the general political demarcations. Um, entrepreneurs, for example, are more likely in the US to support immigration. Many entrepreneurs to a much greater degree than in the population at large are immigrants themselves or the children of immigrants. And, uh, and, and many who fall into neither of those camps love to hire immigrants too because they recognize the work ethic. So while it's a staple of the right-wing politics in the U.S. to oppose immigration. Entrepreneurs tend to favor it. In many other ways, though, entrepreneurs fall on the right spectrum. They prefer less regulation than more, lower taxes than higher, and so forth. But for Inc. and for Fast Company, to the extent that it covers entrepreneurs, the unifying factor is that we support these courageous, innovative business leaders and that crosses across the political divide. For us to earn the trust of entrepreneurs, we have to 
provide the information that truly helps them. And in the end, that more than the political stance that the editors may have is the thing that earns the trust of entrepreneurs. The, the topics that divide, do you cover them extensively or do you choose to uh, avoid them? How do you handle that? We are very um, forthright in covering the topics that might divide entrepreneurs along the political spectrum. Uh, and I believe that we bring most of our readership along with us. There are elements, I think, where we sometimes get pushback from our readers um, because of what they see as a political tendency in, in the coverage, but, but that's rare. Um, for the most part, we wear our heart on our sleeve and our heart is with entrepreneurs and innovative business leaders and that far outweighs any kind of politics. Notably, each year of your uh, adventure at Fast Company and Inc., your company has recorded its best annual uh, financial performance since its inception. Um, so you know a thing or two about running a publishing business. How important is trust for your business? Uh, it is everything. It, everything. Our readers trust us with their careers, with the next step they're going to take in their business. And if we don't earn that trust every day, then we simply don't have a business. So it's not optional and it's something we can't fool around with. Is there an, uh, something, an example or one or two initiatives or policies you have at your company? I can tell you the results of a survey that we just did on the ink side of our readers. And 97% of those readers say that ink is a trusted publication, which I attribute not to um, a sense that we're, we occupy the same political news bubble as all of our readers. I, I'm sure we don't. Um, but I think what, it, what readers are telling us when they say that, what they're recognizing about our coverage is that we understand the challenges of entrepreneurship. We support them in overcoming those challenges or that we're rooting for them and their success and that we're advocating for them um, wherever we can. And I think they see us as one publication that understands them better than any other publication. And that's, that's the source of that trust. As you stated in the beginning, the big tech platforms also being competitors, there's this era of misinformation and disinformation. Obviously, those platforms play a role there. How do you... Can you elaborate on the, the level playing field between the big tech and your platforms? Um, the, um, well, the playing field is tilted to big tech in many ways. They have scale, um, they have algorithms, they have insights into their users' behavior that um, are um, quite uh, dramatic and, and, and sometimes kind of terrifying when you realize how much they know about you, uh, which they then um, turn around and monetize to brands. So the, the playing field as it now exists is tilted towards, uh, towards the platforms. On the other hand, there are many advantages that brands like Inc. and Fast Company have compared to the platforms. People trust us uh, and they know that when they consume information on 
our sites, they're getting truthful information and tr information that is in intended and um, you know uh, professionally moderated to help them succeed or to light the way to the future for them. Uh, that's important for brands that want to advertise to be associated with that kind of high quality content um, and that kind of contextual focus. So that's, that's one particular advantage. They also know brands, the advertisers, know that when they appear on Inc. or Fast Company, they're not going to be adjacent to some content that is crazy um, or destructive. And that's another advantage that we have. Another advantage that we have um, is that for brands that are creative and how they get their message across, Inc. and Fast Company provide a whole range of different media in which they can get their message across. So live events or um, you know, print as well, um, custom content in which our editors help um, advertisers shape their message. So those are all things that we can provide that the platforms don't provide. Platforms have scale much greater than ours. We admit that, but we uh, are able to create messaging that is much higher impact and much safer. And for the monetization of your platforms, how important are those big tech platforms? Are they an important part of the strategy or not at all? Yes, they drive traffic to us. And so we need, we need them. They help us get our brand out into the, um, you know, the social media ecosphere where people can learn about us. So it is a, it is a symbiotic, you know, frenemy kind of situation where we compete with them. We also rely on them for, for driving traffic and raising our profile. And especially in your business, the educating entrepreneurs, sharing insights with entrepreneurs. Is misinformation a problem or not specifically for, in, for your audiences? I don't think that it is a problem specifically for our audience. We have a test of, um, in business journalism, which is, that, which is called real world results. And if we give advice to people that does not further their business, um, if we tell them to do something that is unwise, if we tell them to invest in, in GameStop, um, they will soon learn that that was not very good advice and they won't trust us as much. So we have a real world check, uh, at least in the short and medium term, that, um, that news, pure news organizations don't have. And um, you know we've seen right-wing and anti vaccination news promulgated on certain platforms. And even though that makes people sicker or more likely to die or more likely to spread disease, um, that, that, that effect is not immediate or apparent. And so people tend to believe things that are um, to, to you and me, obviously untrue and harmful. So in that sense, that kind of misinformation um, is not a factor that we need to be concerned about. But there is something that we all need to be concerned about as professional journalists. We have to keep our biases out of the reporting. Um, we need to be rigorous in making sure that we check our facts. And so in that, in that sense, the polarization of the world raises the level of difficulty because there, um, you know, there's 
um, that just is, we have to be aware as journalists that we, um, you know, as citizens, occupy information bubbles. And we have to leave those bubbles at the door and then go into the newsroom and report um, in, a, in a way that is helpful and neutral uh, and serves our readers rather than our own uh, you know, belief tribe. What is your policy for uh, what, if, if there's a mistake published? Does that ever happen? And is there a special policy in place? We are human and, some, and we make mistakes. And um, our policy is to uh, admit the mistake. And um, in print, if we need to, we'll print a correction in the next issue. But more often, the, the most immediate mechanism is, is our website. And we'll acknowledge that we made a mistake and that the, what you're reading is different from what someone might have read uh, a month ago when we had incorrect information. Uh, and, we'll, and, and we'll say as much. One of the things we are uh, advocating for at the Trusted Web Movement is making revisions of content public and uh, working together with search engines, rewarding that transparency, uh, ultimately leading to trust. Is that something that makes sense to you or is that something you won't consider? I think that the one of the hallmarks of a professional journalism organization and an organization that deserves readers' trust is that they're willing to make mistakes and own up to them. So yes, I, I agree with you that um, keeping a record of that can actually only redound to the benefit of the reputation of the company that is owning up to its mistakes. Could that be something that would be mandatory for government or health information, for example? Or You know, I, I don't have an opinion about that, Sebastian. I, I do think that I will say broadly that government and other institutions need to get involved because we're not going to solve the problem of misinformation and disinformation one media platform at a time. And this has to be a concerted effort with, um, with, with regulators um, and international bodies and groups of journalistic organizations banding together. So this is going to be require um, a unified effort. And also, I think that it will be many prompt that um, efforts to uh, better moderate information on platforms needs to ally with efforts to reconcile um, political divisions, needs to band together with um, efforts to increase news literacy all these things working in concert will be the way we get out of this disinformation misinformation hole we've dug for ourselves and what what, what is your vision or idea for the coming let's say decades where will we be with journalism and media at the end of this decade i firmly believe um a belief that is based more on hope and training that says that in the end truth will conquer untruth, that will be, have regained quite a bit of the trust that we have lost. That there will be, there will be mechanisms in government and also in private industry and technology that, that undo some of the 
advantages that are now built in the platforms and the algorithms that highlight news that will tend to elevate responsible news reporting and uh, and and de-elevate whatever the proper word is in technology um, fake news. So I think that as that happens, as um, uh, as governments intervene and as organizations band together, journalistic organizations band together to promote, you know, professional news reporting, that this decline that we've seen over many years of trust in uh, in the journalistic institutions and media institutions will start to reverse and climb up again. Um, in my lifetime, will it ever get to the level perhaps of, um, you know, the, the time when there were only a limited number of networks on on the airwaves uh, in the US and those um, news anchors were the most trusted people in America. I don't think we'll get back there, but I do think that we're somewhere now feeling our way along the bottom and that we'll rebound. Thank you for uh, setting such a high standard with the platforms you run. Is there a question that I should have asked to you before we wrap it up? No, I think I, I managed to get in all the, all the um, talking points that, <laughs> that I like to talk about. And, um, but let me just reflect it back on you. I, I find your mission to be very important. I was just on the site today writing down um, all of the podcasts and documentaries about misinformation that I should, that if I haven't seen them before that I should um, uh, look into. Um, one, one that you might, uh, that I found very useful that I've been listening to uh, recently is called um, Undivided Attention. Didn't see that one yet. So I would, I would suggest you, you take a look at that. That's quite good. Will do. Eric, thanks so much for sharing the insights from your extensive uh, experience in the publishing space. And thanks for being a guest. My pleasure, Sebastian. It is well known that today the public trust into media organizations is low and therefore we've surveyed a global audience to better understand what publishers can do to increase trust with their audience. We've released these findings in our fresh report called Trust in Publishing 2021. You find the report, the show notes of this episode and many other valuable resources at thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Once again, thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening and therefore being part of the Trusted Web journey. And let's build the Trusted Web together.